How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Chris Harrington joins me now. Chris, what are we listening to? It's a holiday by Vampire Weekend. That's going out to the majority of NBA players and NBA people who are not headed to Salt Lake City, but are instead taking a little break for the next week. Uh... Get to the NBA in just a minute. Raquel Welsh died at the age of 82 yesterday. Um, do you? Did you ever? Have you ever seen anything she was ever in? I probably have, but nothing springs to mind. I certainly associate associate her more as sort of a, of a cultural icon figure right. of a certain era than I do as an actress. Right. Like I know she was in that. You know, whatever. She's. I don't. I can't. That's how I, I think. I'd I'm, have to look at her filmography. I'm even from a slightly different or earlier era than you, and I still like. She was a '60s era. She wasn't right. She wasn't my era's pinup. You know, even iconic sex symbol, whatever. She was. Um, she was already Raquel Welsh with quotation marks. Who was just sort of an icon. The funny thing, and not to make yeah. make light of you know yeah. the death of Raquel Welsh, but I saw John Bifus tweet about her uh-huh. at one point yesterday. And it didn't occur to me that she had died because I just thought, okay, she John Bivis is tweeting about Rocco Well. Seems like a normal. <laughs> seems like just. Seems like just another uh, Wednesday, really. Uh, so and then, and only later I realized that that's why he was tweeting about her. Um, her name was uh, Joe Raquel Tejada. Her birth name. She's Latina, which, but which I gather. So her her dad wouldn't let the family speak Spanish. And so she learned to speak Spanish in her 60s. I know this so much, so often. I When someone dies, I go read their obit, often in the New York Times because they do great obits, and that's where I read her obit. Fascinating. And like so many people that feel like she said. Oh, she was a Myra Breckenridge. That's right, which I've never seen. She did some comedies, which she liked, evidently. She was later in Seinfeld, by the, the way. The sort of iconic image of hers from One Million Years B.C. Right. Um, this poster. I don't – well, she was in Legally Blonde, which I've seen, but that's not really a Raquel Welch movie. She had some, like, you know – she had some cameos and stuff later in her career, but, like, 60s, 70s, I don't think I've seen a single movie she was in in her prime. Like, um, not one. I'm looking at the filmography. It's not actually a long list. Playboy in 98 did a Sexiest Female Stars of the 20th Century, and Marilyn's obviously number one. Marilyn Monroe's number one. Uh Jane Mansfield, who uh, I, I uh, she is a, she is like a Marilyn Monroe esque, right? Type. I, I just remember her by the time I was growing up, she yeah. was in bra commercials, you know, like right. she would be, and then and then Raquel Welsh, and then Bridget Bardot. Was she? Yeah, Bridget Bardot. Uh, Bridget Bardot, French actress. Um, she's in various things. Um, she's actually in a Godard movie, Contempt, 
Um, if you want to get highbrow, if you want to see Bridget Bardot in some highbrow action, uh-huh, that's what I want to do. Watch La Prix, aka Contempt by Jean Luc Godard. Um, but that's not that's not what she's most known for. But yeah. But then she did a turn in. At some point, she started doing Broadway, and there was this moment when people are like, "Oh my God!" Like she was in Women of the Year, and she replaced. Uh, she for filled in for. Um, uh, uh, Julia, what's her name? Julian, I can't Julia Roberts? No. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. It's not a music. What's her name? What's Julie? Julie Ju- Andrews. Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews and Victor Victoria. So um, so she did some Broadway, too, at some point. Right. And uh, anyway, she is no longer with us. I had Dan Devine on uh, just now. And <laughs> it was funny. Last week when we were talking about the trade deadline and we were tossing around various names, well, one name that came up was Royce O'Neill, and he said Royce O'Neill is kind of like a banana. Like you just eat eat the banana because it's good for you and whatever else. And I thought that was his description of Royce O'Neill. There was nothing exciting about Royce O'Neill. If you were to add Royce O'Neill to the, he's one of those guys that I wonder if the Grizzlies made an offer for him because we know they made an offer for. You start working your way down. <laughs> right. Like I know they made an offer. For, we know we all know when when they made right. an offer for Mikael Bridges and OG Ananobi. Um, I don't. I suspect that they made an offer for Dorian Finney-Smith, logically. Right. That would make more sense, Right, yes. right, right. And I just don't know if you got to the point of, uh, of asking about Royce O'Neal before you get to Luke Kennard. I really have no idea. But That's a toss-up. He, he came up with this fruit thing, so then I asked him on the spot, what fruit is Luke Kennard if he were a fruit? And he said, Luke Kennard is a plum. Right. Because if I you get a yeah. really good plum, it's delicious. But a lot of times you eat a plum and it's just there. And I think that's, that's pretty good. good. That's good. See, Luke and Orange is the thing where the Grizzlies forever, Grizzlies fans or whatever, like, we need a shooter, we need a shooter, we need a shooter. And, like, Troy Daniels is probably the best shooter that's ever that's <laughs> ever played for the Memphis Grizzlies. Unbelievable shooter. But, like, he couldn't play, so who cares, right? And so, like, that's always been my thing. It's like, you don't need a shooter. You need shooting in the context of lineups right. that otherwise make sense in basketball. You can have the greatest shooter in the world, but if he can't play, it doesn't matter. And so Kennard is like a really good shooter. Is he good enough basketball player for his shooting to matter? And that that is the question. I thought he had a pretty good game last night, but I think that is still that is still a, an unknown. And I don't think there's a definitive answer to that, whether he's a good enough basketball player for his very good shooting to impact the Grizzlies in a significant way. To me, that's the question. Who, what's, what's Celtics were lighting up the Grizzlies from? Sam Hauser. Like a Sam Hauser? What is, what is he? Is he uh, just a sh- he, shooter he's a little who can't bit, do anything other than I think he's a little bit shoot? bigger. I think he's a little, probably, maybe, maybe. Sam Hauser is what, is what you want Jake LaRavia to become. Like, you know, I think Sam Hauser's like a 6'7", six, 6'8", six, kind of guy, right. I think. I mean, I have not spent a lot of time on the <laughs> study of Sam Hauser. But, uh, you know, Kennard, I think if you watch Kennard last night, I think he had a pretty good game. Um, it was a tonic for him to, like, make all of his free throws. Like, that's right. nice. Like, there's a technical foul. Luke Kennard's on the well, court. He can get, free let him go shoot it, it right? <laughs> um, you know, he, he's now, I think, 50% from three is a Grizzly, but it's like three of six over 40 minutes. It was right? nice to see those first ones go down. People like the Luke. Luke's a good name to cheer. Luke. He made, he made a couple going, really yeah. nice, re, nice reads and nice passes that's the for thing. You can see the court. You can yeah. see that. It's obvious. But I think if you were watching that game closely, you would see – him a little physically overtaxed on both ends of the floor. Defensively, I think uh, it's more obvious. But offensively, like when those closeouts were coming hard, I mean, it wasn't easy for him to get shots off over over tight defense, right? 
And when he had to put it on the floor and make a play, like he was doing stuff, but it, it took a lot of effort to like make it happen, right? And so a good shooter, but it, it takes a lot for him to maximize that that one skill, you know, in the context of high-level NBA basketball, I think. Grizzlies went up, was it 24? 24 at one point? 24 was 24, the high. 24 at one point, and it looked like they were just going to waltz. They were, they yeah. were raining threes in the first quarter. You had Jaglin behind the back to Jaron and a little all-star preview, although they may not be on the same team, but an all-star celebration. And then all of a sudden you're looking it up and it's a one-possession game. You're like, what the hell? Yeah, I think it's partly that they had a 24-point lead, but they had it in the first half. Right. And it's hard to hold a big lead in an NBA game right. when you have it early, right? right? There's a lot of basketball, a lot of possessions. Um, I think there's a natural, like, you know, you sort of coast it a little bit, and then the, you, I mean, this happens all the time in games. I think part of that was just this is just what happens a lot of times in NBA games. But part of it was also, like, their problems offensively sort of they were they had really good three point shooting in the first half, and that is obviously atypical of the Memphis Grizzlies. Right. So that did not happen again. I think it probably lulled them in. At one point in the second half, I thought they they did settle for some threes they should not have taken. Well, you know who settles for ja, threes? Ja. Ja I was in particular. Say, ja settles for threes. There was one possession late where I think he was tired and he just walked up and like pulled up pulled a three and like. So I think they settled for some threes they shouldn't have late. Um, and I think as the game tightened up their half-court offense issues sort of, you know, did pop back up. And I, I think, you know, when you're thinking about going deep playoff basketball, that's the biggest concern probably. I thought Des looks like he's moving pretty well. Didn't you think or not? What I mean, you were down the, you were down the court. I, I was up in the air. What this do you is, think? This is one of my mailbag questions at the beginning of the week was about him. And I sort of made the point there where if you look at pre, pre-toe injury, he played 12 games. And right. he – hit the 30-point mark in four of 12 games before the toe injury. He's played, I think, now 23 games since the toe injury. He has not hit the 30-point mark once. He's been very good. He's averaging like 20 points a game. His percentages are good. But he hasn't hit that 30-point mark, and I don't think that's random. I, I, I think that I think he's having problems generating the volume because I do think there is a little bit of limitation um, on him creating stuff. And I I feel like as the game wears on, maybe, you know, I, I, I just feel like it's hard for me to pinpoint, but I feel right. like there's just a little bit, there's a little bit extra juice he, he's missing that's keeping him from having these these big games that he had before the toe injury this season and he had in the second half last season. Um, and so I think he's been very good, but I don't think he's been the best version and of himself. And we think this may hopefully at some point resolve itself in the off season with three. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 no, like I have right. no reason to be concerned about next Red season. Lesson, but but I don't know if you're going to get the jumping up and getting you 36 in a game. Like, you know, maybe he will, but but he has not done that since the toe injury. What do you, by the way, think of Ja these days as a three-point, his three-point shooting? Um, I think that's been a little bit of a disappointment that it has not it has taken been. more of a step forward. I think quite, and I haven't written about this at all, and I probably should. I don't think anyone's really talked about it. I think quietly his defense has gotten a little bit better. I think his defense has been more solid this season. Um, I, I'll, honestly, down the stretch last night, after it got close again, yeah, I, I thought it was honestly noticeable. Yeah, like, when he locks in, he's no. And, and I would say, I would, I would actually say slightly different. I think you're right in that that specific context. But slightly different, I would say what what is. What is noticeable about what's notable about Ja defensively this season is that his defense is not noticeable for the most part, <laughs> right, right? Right. Like it's not that we notice the big chase down block; it's that there have been 
far fewer instances this season where you watch the game like, man, Jaws getting roasted or Jaws right. dying on these screens or Jaws a problem defensively. I think in the past we've noticed that more, and I, th- I think we're not noticing the bad defense because there's not as much of it. So I think he's taken a quiet step forward defensively this season. He has not taken a step forward as a, as a shooter, and you take that extended to the right. the free throw line, maybe even a bigger a bigger thing. Uh, obviously, the best play on the court last night was Jaron Jackson Jr., yeah. uh, particularly early when he was just ridiculous. Yeah, um, I mean, he got hot from the threes, and like, and then he kept shooting them, and he, he stopped making them. Right. But, but I, I, you know, I've been a proponent for Jaron take more threes, and I love the volume and the balance last night. He also just looks. It used to be. When he would try to create something going to the rim, it looked like it was he was going through a mental checklist yeah. as he was doing it and gathering himself up. And now it looks. I, I do think that's natural. true. I do think that's true that he is getting less mechanical with yes. that. I still think there's an issue where, like, he needs one more dribble. He's not comfortable enough with the one more dribble, and so he's not. A lot of the times, he's like rising up too soon. And he he doesn't have force when he gets to the rim, and he's I think there's still some some trouble finishing and getting some shots blocked at the rim because he 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 doesn't have the confidence to take the one more dribble and hit with force at the right. rim. Instead, he's sort of going a little bit softer than he should, and I think that's because. But to me, one of the tantalizing things about Jaron is that even though he has one more year of NBA experience than Ja and two more years than Desmond Bain, I just really feel like there's more rungs on the ladder for him he hasn't gotten to yet. Right. His game still has so much more room, unexplored territory um, than even those guys, especially on the offensive end, and that, to me, is one of the most tantalizing things about him. Yeah, Taylor Jenkins said last night, he mentioned there's much more, and, and coaches often say that about players, but with Jaron, it just seems 100% true. Yeah. Like, there's um, there is much more. And the other thing, I'll tell you the other thing about Jaron, I like him. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, like, I in terms of his sensibility, when you sit there and talk to him, it feels like... You're having a conversation. I just like it. I really, and I, I think he's admirable in a lot of ways. I, I'm he is generally better in those sort of um, casual scrums than on the podium. On, yeah, on the, it's a little podium. Sometimes he's podium. good if he'll really listen and answer a question, but sometimes it's like he feels like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm right. on the stage, and right. he's not yeah. as comfortable with that. He maybe tries to perform a little much or whatever. But I think in a more casual setting, he's he's actually quite good. Yeah. Um, so uh, Grizzlies. Get the win. Um, they are second in the West, and I mean, we talked about this yesterday. It, they have a tough schedule coming up. Like you look at the the coming out of the West, uh, coming out of the the first eleven games coming out of the All Star break are not for the faint of heart. But if they can go fifteen and five, let's I mean fifteen and ten, let's just say, which is not some epic accomplishment. If they can go fifteen and ten, just to track them down. Phoenix would have to go nineteen and six. They're not going nineteen and six. Yeah, because I, I don't think I don't think all those guys are going to play every game right to the regular season. I mean, Kevin Durant still has not debuted for the Suns, and he won't till after the All Star break, right? And so I think that cushion was it four? Was it? Th- it's four. Yeah, I think that's four games in a twenty five game stretch is a lot to it's make meaningful. Up. Um, and so yeah, no, I don't. I, I think the Grizzlies are going to be the two seed. Now, I don't think that's like a lock or anything. No. But I think the odds are pretty strong that the Grizzlies will maintain the two seed. How soon do you think? Do you have a sense of how soon after the All Star break Stephen Adams is going to be playing? Um, I, I have a minor sense. Uh, my, my understanding is that he won't necessarily play first game back after the break. 
Right. Um, but that, you know, but that he's certainly on his way back. That, that he's going to be back, well, you know, this is not something that's going to linger deep after that. But I don't think there is an – as far as, as – my understanding as of like a week ago is that there was not an expectation that, you know, first game after the break he's in the lineup. That was not the expectation. Lakers looked like they were sort of supposed to look last night. You know, LeBron's back and they're, you know, right. whatever else. Um, I think they're two games out. I think the Lakers make it. Into the play-in? Into the play-in. Yeah, I think so. I mean, just because – I mean, Utah played hard last night and, like, those guys tried to win. They almost did. But they're still – you look out there and they're starting two rookies and, like, you know – I, I, I it's think, Oklahoma City. I think is in right now. I think yes. right now it's Oklahoma City. I just feel like you. I feel like if you start start from scratch now and go over the next twenty five games, the Lakers should be better than the Jazz, the Thunder, and the Blazers. And and even though they have a little bit of room to make up, it's only a little bit. And so I, to me, it would, also question how many games those guys are going to play though. LeBron, Anthony Davis, like. LeBron plays a lot of games. Do you, do you want to make healthy, the, he plays. You want to make the play in? <laughs> right. It's time to play coming <laughs> right. out of the All Star break. Like it, it, you know, if that team cares about making the play in, those guys need to be there. Unless they are truly injured in a way that they can't play, it's time like it's time to play. Like I asked Taylor Jenkins last night, and I wasn't going to use it for the game story. I may use it for my column next week. But I asked Taylor Jenkins last night about sort of his tendency to keep minutes low, right, yeah. in the regular season. Because one of the the things, if you look at the box score of that game last night. Basically, every Jazz starter, other than Colin Sexton, who got injured in the first quarter, played more minutes than every Grizzly starter except for John Morant. And that was a game where, like, you almost lost that game. And it sort of relates to the thing I've been saying about Jared all season. It's like, yeah, he's got foul problems, but, like, he was the best player on the floor. You just said he played 31 minutes with only four fouls in a game they almost lost, right? right? right. Like, that was a game where you would think he'd be playing 35, but that's just not what they do. And but Jenkins His answer, did, by the way, was it? Go ahead. Yeah, his, yeah. his answer was, we do this now so that we can play them more later, obviously in the playoffs, but he sort of suggested that coming out of the All-Star break, you may see that start to ramp up then. He also, um, by the way, threw in, we do it to develop depth. Have yes. worked too well. We're like, trying to develop players. And develop, yeah, no, 100%. He comes from the – this is what Budenholzer does. Right. And Budenholzer gets, has gotten criticism for this over the years because people will look up and like – why is Giannis averaging 32 minutes a game when he's the best player <laughs> right. in the league and he's like a superhuman freak? And and Boonholzer has gotten criticism for that. And Jenkins even alluded, like, this is sort of where I come from. I do think he's schooled in that, and it's a matter of strategy. I'm not critical of it when they're, like, the second-best record in the conference the second year in a row playing these guys relatively lower minutes. And, and it does suggest to some degree sort of, a, you know, some room for improvement in the sense that, well, one thing you could do to get better is, like, Play your best play your players, best players more, more, you know? Right. Um, we talked about this briefly earlier. Uh, there's the Bally stuff kicking around. Bally's is probably going to go, uh, it's going to declare bankruptcy um, and, and, and restructure. And, of course, they carry the Grizzlies games, and so there's some sense of what happened next. I have not, but done much poking around to it and except that i know no one's particularly concerned about what's going to happen anytime soon do you have any sense of what this universe might look like or what's going to happen next or anything about bally's i also have not poked around on that i was a little bit busy with other stuff yesterday um i mean i i don't feel urgency about it because it's not going to impact the rest of this season i you know there's contracts in place and 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 legal maneuverings tend to take time and like i i just to me there's like Unless someone tells me otherwise, there's zero chance this is going to matter the rest of this basketball. What do you season. all do for 
So what do you subscribe we to? We still pay for cable, and we need to get rid of it. And so I, I've committed that after this basketball season's over, I'm ditching cable, and then come the start of next basketball season, I'll figure out what I need to do to watch the Grizzlies. <laughs> um, so you're going to ditch we, cable, but then you get Netflix and you well, get so that's Amazon. The problem. We get, have cable, and yeah. we have Netflix, and too. we have Hulu, and we have... We have like Apple four TV, or five, and, and I we have, have all like this. All of yeah, we don't pay for Apple TV because right. it came with the phone or whatever. But we have like I don't know, I don't even know three to five streaming things we pay for on top of cable, and it's too much. And I, I'm committed to to cutting back um, after this basketball season's over. You and me both. All right, Chris, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Uh, Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.